the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We're back for hour two of the show at 6.06. Steadily cooler, colder as the snow continues to fall. 22 degrees here in Aurora, 25 still over there in hell, otherwise known as Denver in decay. Thank you, Stefan Tubbs. And uh, it's always warmer in hell. But um, I'll be booting out of here soon to go to California to elect a new RNC chair. And um, very interesting results on this poll that I put up less than 24 hours ago. It's about 25,000 views on Twitter. And uh, we can circle back and update on that if we wish. And then uh, coming up in the the final hour of the show at 7 o'clock, the um, World Economic Forum wrapped up, thank God. And the closing speech was very, very fascinating. And after the speech, there were clips running on the big screen in the back, the very short little snippets from some of the many speakers. And so producer Luis Gonzalez put a bunch of that together for me. And I'd really want you to hear some of this nonsense, terrifying nonsense from the World Economic Forum. We'll also check in with Stephanie Luck from House District 60 with an update on the Colorado State Legislature. And just how much damage they intend for you this particular year. But right now, man, something I've been looking forward to all day because it's just been so long. Trevor Loudon and I go back to the early Tea Party days when he did his first book, uh, Enemies Within, became a documentary movie. Been out here. uh, We've done meetings together and and, uh, just so many things. And he's simply one of the most, the hardest working investigators and, uh, Uh, journalists, documentarians, historians that I know with a steel trap mind that I always love to share with the audience here in Denver. And Trevor Loudon joins us now. Trevor, I I want you to know that – can you bring him up? Go ahead. Trevor, I I want you to know people are already asking me, when are you coming back to Colorado? They want to see you. (laughs) Well, it's just somebody has to ask me. Okay. And I'll be there. Very good. Good to know. Well, well, let's think about that when the weather gets a little nicer. I got to say, I'm looking at trevorloudon.com. You look good, man. You're holding up uh, parts one and two of your new book, Security Risk Senators, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes. Looks like that photograph was taken back in November, and um, yep. it looks like you're doing just fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy and healthy. I've, I've had a lot of time at home to write. So I haven't been as exhausted as normal. So yeah. yeah, it's been pretty good actually. Had a great Christmas here with the family and and, and getting ready to to take back America in 2023. Yeah, and I want to I want to explore that with you uh, in a couple minutes. Obviously, I've promoted the fact that we're going to talk about the sudden resignation of the automatron lockdown terrorist Jacinda Ardern. <laughs> is it uh, is it pronounced Ardern? Yeah, Ardern, Jacinda, okay. Auntie, Auntie Jinda, Auntie Jindy, we call her in New Zealand. <laughs> Auntie Jindy, and, and you're from New Zealand, so you've got tremendous yes. background on this. And you've been you've been on this show uh, just describing how horrible life has been in New Zealand under her rule. 
on uh, during COVID-19. And so we'll get into all of that. But back before the midterm election, and when we'd have you on the show or we'd talk uh, in other venues, we all thought, you know, that we were in deep, deep trouble if we didn't uh, uh, reclaim the Senate, reclaim the House. Uh, as we got closer, a, a red wave was being predicted, and there was so much confidence and optimism floating around, and and so much justification for it, given the the horrors that are going on in our schools, economically, and and just so many other facets, uh, military wokeness, all of it in our lives, and it was a uh, it was barely a red dribble. Yet, since then, we've had things like Elon Musk, you know, start exposing the truth about censorship and government involvement and elections and, and COVID lies and all of it. And then we saw this remarkable week of electing a House speaker and the, the power that the constitutional conservatives were able to wield and the concessions they were able to get out of someone who I would have otherwise predicted might have been a very establishment House leader. And all of a sudden I sit here, in spite of that midterm loss, feeling very optimistic about the future because I, people are waking up. Look, I, I 100% agree. And just, just on the red wave, I live in Florida. We did get a red wave here. We got a fantastic red wave. And Newt Gingrich has gone out there saying, I can't understand what happened. I can't understand. Well, Ron DeSantis has done more to clamp down on vote fraud than any other governor. It's actually illegal to commit vote fraud in Florida. He People have been prosecuted for it. He shut down the crooked operations in Miami-Dade, and we won that by 10 points. He's gone after vote fraud, fraud rings in Orlando. That's why we got a red wave. Very simple. Most most of the country, the red states stayed red. Florida did really well because it's actually hard to commit vote fraud here, or harder, still nowhere near enough. But all the big blue states went bluer because that's where the big vote fraud operations are. And I, and I we're not allowed to say this, Randy, but you know the Democrats were selling guns to the Mexican cartels. They weaponized the uh, IRS against the Tea Party. They weaponized the Justice Department and the FBI against the sitting president. But they would never commit vote fraud, would they? <laughs> that would be unethical. That would be beyond the pale. This, this is we just got to say this. And we, when we get another conservative president, we have to start recoing the big Democrat machines in the big cities. We have to go after them just like we would a mafia organization, because that's what they are. It's way early. And as Republican National Committee man, there'll come a time when I need to stay neutral when there's more than one contestant in the presidential race uh, moving forward. Uh, but right now, it, it certainly looks like the two powerhouses are Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump, who continues to clean his clock in uh, polling, especially polling that considers Republic, likely Republican voters as the primary victor. Do you have any initial feelings, ideas, or preferences? And I know that race is a long ways away. Yeah, look, I, I think I love both of them. You know, I'm here in Florida, and Ron is extremely popular here. He's extremely competent. Um, but I love Trump, too. Um, I think, look, 
if anybody can talk to Trump, tell him to stop talking about the vaccines. Oh, like my it's God. A great achievement. Yeah. If he doesn't get the nomination or he loses, it's because of that. And he needs to just either apologize for the vaccines or at least stop talking about them incessantly because it turns off his base. You know, a large chunk of his base that he cannot afford to lose. And it has been hammered by some very prominent social media influencers as well, saying this is the last, literally the last straw for me. Now, I'm not willing to go there because we've got to see who our choices are. We've got to learn more about the background of Ron DeSantis. Where does all of his mm. money come from? How many promises did he make and, and then actually not keep or, or unwind, uh, you know, after the election? There's some stories emerging on that. But this vaccine thing is nonsense. And I, you know, I used to make excuses. How much time do you have? Because I could keep you the whole hour. All, all, okay. all, all you want. Good, all you want, good. Uh, I made excuses for Trump early on because his job, he, he wasn't the medical expert. He didn't know what these things were going to do. He just empowered the mechanism to create something that could have been a, a wonderful modern day miracle. Um, and, and, you know, he's just been naive about. And we all were about the about Fauci, about the uh, the Wuhan lab and, and, you know, the all the efforts to weaponize viruses and, and things like that. And what he accomplished was miraculous to make those things available worldwide in such a short period of time. But now it's evident to anybody with eyes that for many people. Taking that vaccine has been either a death sentence, sudden death is just increasing. We see it every single day. Um, or people are living with what may be lifelong ano anomalies, uh, tremors, pain, shingles, different symptoms, simply because they were forced to take a vaccine that was untested. And Donald Trump is out saying, I saved 100 million lives. Man, that's insane. Yeah. Look, look, when your when your cousin is in hospital with myocarditis, that doesn't impress you. Yeah. You know, look, look, President Trump did a fantastic job of getting it organized. I'm not blaming him for trying to do it right. in the circumstances. It was it was rational, but it's gone way beyond that now. People do not like it. They're very upset about being forced the forced vaccines and the mandates, and and he shouldn't have anything to do with it. And if it's not helping his campaign, if Ron DeSantis gets the nomination, it'll be because Donald Trump couldn't see the light on vaccines. And, you know, I've how far do you live from Mar-a-Lago? Are you anywhere close to there? Oh, yeah, about, two, about two or three hours. Well, oh, okay. I've been there a couple of times. and never, never, never when the president was there, but just for other functions. It's a beautiful place. Well, I was invited out twice with the president, once when there were only about 20 of us there. They had... Uh, Mar-a-Lago was under remodeling all all year, uh, all summer. I mean, and uh, the night before the uh, the reopening, the grand reopening of Mar-a-Lago, I was at an event with the president. First, my first personal interactions with him. Uh, really uh, appreciated everything he had to say and how he works to remember your name and where he met you. And I mean, it's just his memory is phenomenal. Um, and then I was back there a second time when he made his presidential announcement. But um, oh, okay. if you were closer, I was going to say, man, I can't believe I didn't reach out to you. But now I know it wouldn't have been worthwhile because they were very short trips. But anyway, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, it, it concerns me very, very much. And, and what 
others might say is, look, there are billions of people uh, or at least hundreds and hundreds of millions of people who have taken this vaccine who aren't having any bad side effects. Uh, and so can Trump be getting such bad information that he doesn't realize that the statistically the percentages are so far above what has called them to cause them to pull prior vaccines off the market uh, that this yeah, is a look, political yeah. control um look, my my wife used to work in drug safety policy yeah. for a, for a big um pharmaceutical company and they would pull a they would pull a drug or a vaccine if they got six adverse reactions God. a year you know yeah. but but the, the the point I I get it is whether the vaccines are good or bad is sort of irrelevant because President Trump's going to rely on his hardcore pro-Trump, pro-freedom, pro-MAGA base. And 80% of that base hates vaccines. So, you know, he's, he's, he's spitting in the face of his own base every time he talks about them. I, I think he's also being incredibly stubborn to not go back on Twitter. Um, you yeah. know, True Social yeah, is well, pretty, exactly, pretty, yeah. pretty cool. But he doesn't have, uh, what is it, 89 or 90 million followers like he does on Twitter. It's instant access to oh. be in the news anytime, any second he wants. And he's just stubbornly refusing, and it bothers me. Look, 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 wouldn't we want to see some mean tweets out there? Yeah, baby. Aren't we all hanging out for Wait. mean tweets? And MSNBC. Oh, think, yeah, it absolutely should be back on Twitter. MSLSD is going to fold if Donald Trump doesn't come out on Twitter and start punching people in the mouth. So, And, that, and I worry about that, as you can imagine. Hey, we've already eaten up the first segment, so um, let's take a pause here with our great guest, Trevor Loudon. See all his work at TrevorLoudon.com or follow him at TrevorLoudon1 on Twitter. I, we're going to talk about his book, Security Risk Senators, which includes uh, an expose on our very own John Hickenlooper. We're going to talk about the sudden, and you can tell us if it's sudden or not when we come back. It, it seemed like a sudden announcement to me, the resignation of the New Zealand Prime Minister and COVID-19 lockdown tyrant Jacinda Ardern when we come back here on 710 KNUS. We're back at 624 with someone I admire, respect, and enjoy so much, and he's kind enough to stay with us this hour. So many things I enjoy talking to Trevor Loudon about. And um, this segment, Trevor, why don't we focus on New Zealand? Um, explain, yep. explain to folks what life was like in New Zealand under the reign of terror of, what did you call her, Auntie, Auntie Jessie? Uh, Auntie, Auntie Jindy or Auntie Cindy is what they call her. Mm. Not, not in a very affectionate way either. No, no. And she's like an automatron. You know, I joked in the opening monologue of the show that she was maybe one of the first artificial intelligence made to look like a human-installed <laughs> leader's. Um, and but you couldn't you couldn't make that claim about Biden because nobody would make a robot that operates that poorly. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Jacinda is she's the lady who told us who told us all that we shouldn't we shouldn't get any information about the COVID on the internet because the government should be your only source of truth. God. You know, she said that you know straight out, just just like it was a, a good thing to say. But but Jacinda Ardern, see, she's not just a lefty, not just a liberal. She was the world president of the World Socialist Youth in 2010. That's the youth wing of the Socialist International. 
And at that time, China was part of it. Most of the former communist parties of Eastern Europe were part of it. It's a communist organization. And there's tapes of her uh, telling or, uh, people in Hungary at their big conventions, and she uses the word comrade about 17 times in about three minutes. And when she was asked about this on nationwide TV about a year ago, Somebody said, well, that was when you were young, Jacinda. You were radical. A lot of us are radical when we're young. But you've changed since then, haven't you? She said, no, not really. Just you know, she's a Marxist. She is a full-on Marxist. And, and was she, she, will, was she legitimately elected? Well, this is very interesting. Um, the, look, the New Zealand Labour Party was very much favoured to lose when she was elected. They went through three, three leaders in about six months. And she came in at the last moment. She was a fresh face. But what happened was, see, we have proportional representation in New Zealand, meaning that you have, um, which was put in by the communists, by the way, and it, it means like a small party, if they get a certain percentage of votes, gets a certain percentage of seats in the parliament so normally what happens is you have a the national party which is sort of like your republicans the, the labor party which is sort of like the democrats they will get into government but they will normally have either the greens the green the small green party with labor and maybe a couple of other parties to make a coalition or national will, will get in with the act party which i used to be the vice president of it's unheard of since we've had proportional representation for a party to win outright, but she did. And that was the first election we had really uh, fully, fully, um, basically fully uh, electronic elections. You know, before that it was all paper ballots and that kind of thing. So there is a lot of suspicion about that. I don't remember. You know, I don't remember the timing, but I remember seeing videos of people amassing in the streets of New Zealand during some of the most egregious parts of the shutdowns. I mean, she they didn't yeah. weld they didn't weld people into their apartment buildings like they do in China, but it wasn't much less than that. Look, she went out there and said they, there was a big protest and, and they had an encampment on the the the, the grounds of parliament and there was a pretty thuggish how, how they were everybody was moved out. It was very much like January the 6th. The protest was all peaceful and then some People came in at the last moment, some strangers, and started doing violent stuff, and then the, throwing bricks and stuff, and then the cops moved in and hauled everybody off, very much like the the sort of Antifa types who came into the Jan, the peaceful January the sixth protests. So similar operation, and um, but you know she she was out there. She did, she openly said that she was trying to create a two-tiered system of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated and the unvaccinated would not enjoy the privileges of the vaccinated they would not be able to get work they would not be able to get accommodation they would not be able to travel far from their homes and she was relishing this you know she is a marxist and the 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 vaccines the 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 the, the the pandemic was probably the happiest time of her life. She would have been just totally in her element. There's a um, there's a video going around on uh, various social media 
of a mass of people in a, a bar. It looks like a bar. It's got a balcony. It's just packed. And it really looks like, you know, people who could have been watching the World Cup or something. So I don't know if it's a phony video or not, because on the big screen in the video that I've seen, it's it's Jacinda announcing her resignation and the place just erupting with cheers. Do you have any idea <laughs> if that's legit or not? I, I don't, but it wouldn't surprise me. Her popularity has absolutely plummeted. But, you know, she, she's she's done something great because... Her last day in office will be February the 7th. That's my birthday. <laughs> she must have known. <laughs> look at what a present she gave me. Oh, but funny. look, she she is despised in the country. And, it, so is and the, you know, Oprah Winfrey thinks she's wonderful and all these American leftists think she's wonderful. You go and talk to the people of New Zealand. She wrecked the economy, absolutely wrecked it. All she did with the lockdowns was postponed the COVID for 18 months. Now it's rampant all over the country. We gained nothing uh, and we lost billions. So is is this the reason that she's stepping down? I know she said, I don't have the fire anymore or something like that, but is well, she being forced uh, uh, yeah. out? What's coming next? Well, well, she's not being forced, but see, there's an election this year. I think it's October oh. this year. We have elections every three years in New Zealand. And her popularity is just in the pit. You know, it's almost guaranteed that the uh, Conservatives will win. She was heading for a major defeat, and um, she got out while the going was good, I think. While she can still get a job at the United Nations or and, and say she never lost an election, because she would have lost a big time. She would have been utterly humiliated. I didn't pull up my map when I said this during my uh, opening monologue, but I was just talking about the risk to New Zealand being so close to China, the China Sea. Um, I know you have talked on this show with me many times about why it's so important to New Zealanders and others that America, you know, remain strong. And, and obviously we took a horrible step backwards in that regard in 2020 when we allowed our election to be stolen. But um, what what's the future of New Zealand? What's the concern about China? And will you're talking about a perhaps a conservative taking back over? Is there time to make a difference there and change? Yeah, well, this is the sad thing. Um, see, China has huge influence in New Zealand. They're in both parties. They're in the Labour Party, and they're in the National Party, the Conservative Party. Like like in America, they get the Democrats through ideology and money. And they get the Republicans through money. Well, I've done exactly the same thing in New Zealand. So the National Party is deeply compromised by China and the Labour Party is sympathetic to China. Jacinda Ardern has, is far more friendly to China than she ever would be to the United States. We're so, so bad there. We've almost been kicked out of the five eyes, the, you know, the Australia, New Zealand, Canada, the United States, the sort of intelligence sharing operation <laughs> and so there's a huge concern about china but there's not a great willingness by any of the political parties to address it i think that is a big gap in the market so to speak for a political party to come out as some republicans have here and really stuck it to communist china but um if you think the chinese influence is bad in america it's it's worse in new zealand unfortunately and we're going to talk more about that when we talk about Trevor Loudon's new book, Security Risk Senators, in the final segment of the show. I, uh, again, it sort of 
adds to my sense of optimism seeing what's going on around the world, protests in France and, and in Italy and, and in New Zealand, and now this, this Marxist leader stepping down before even taking a chance of facing re-election. Uh, again, it, it just seems like we're seeing uh, a great awakening around the world, and, and the vaccine has contributed to it. It opened people's eyes to what was going on in our elementary and up school systems here in the United States. And uh, and people are feeling now in their own heating bills and pocketbooks and gas tanks the full force and effect of Marxists in charge, including right here in the United States. And uh, as long as we don't fold up our tents, I think that bodes well for us for the future. Yep, I agree fully. All right, a uh, couple more things. I, we'll, we'll save the last. Since you said you, I'm, I'm holding you to it now, we're going to save the whole last segment to talk about yeah, security, yeah, happy to do that. Happy security to do risk that. senators. And um, I know you've probably got a drink sitting there. It's melting because you thought, you know, 20 minutes with this clown and then I can get on with my Saturday <laughs> no, night. But... It's always a pleasure, Randy. <laughs> Don't worry about it. It really is. Um, two things. I'm flying out to Dana Point next week to uh, help elect a new RNC chair. I've got a poll up on Twitter uh, for about the last 23 hours, 22 hours, uh, viewed 26,200 times. And uh, Harmeet Dillon comes in just under 72%. Mike Lindell just under 27%. Ronna McDaniel just over 1%. Uh, clearly, the populace... How did she get 1%? <laughs> she must have been cheating. Well, you know, I get along well with Ronna, and I could, if I had to defend her, I could. Um, as someone who promised that the third term was going to be her last, looking at the track record, everything else, I think this is as good a time as any to step down. Um, I'm not endorsing yet. But um, clearly, you know, the people, I mean, I've received close to 700 emails and primarily for Harmeet. I'm hearing more from Mike Lindell supporters as we get closer to the race. But I've decided to withhold any endorsement until I actually get there. I want to talk to everybody. I want to hear exactly yeah. what their plans are and uh, see the wheeling and dealing and, and maneuvering that goes on. How do they handle that in the last days up to the election? Seems like that makes a lot more sense than just coming out early and saying that's my guy or gal. Yeah, I think that's the the, the best way to go. Um, you're going to see them both in action. I've seen them both in action. They're both both. You know, Mike Lindell's a character. I think, um, and he's no doubt a patriot. You know, Harmy Dillon comes from the California Democratic Party, um, which isn't the most dynamic uh, California Republican Party, which isn't the most. Um, the leadership of it isn't the best in the nation, but she's a very competent person. She's a patriot. I think she'll make a good chairman. I think Mike would really stir things up. They both have something to offer, but I think it's more likely that Harmeet will win. Um, I think that's my hesitation. You know, I, I see, uh, and, you know, Rana could point out some things that I misunderstand or don't get that maybe could sway me back uh, into her camp. But I see Mike Lindell as this tremendous disruptor, which would be very exciting. Knows how to raise money, knows how to run an organization, knows how to put the right people in place to run the different facets of an organization. Very focused on on election fraud and election integrity. And then on the flip side, you've got Harmeet with her tremendous successes as a civil rights attorney fighting the COVID and business lockdown battles and, yeah. and uh, yeah. election fraud as well. So. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating week, and I, I just love keeping my powder dry so I don't um, I don't make a, a bad decision, you know? Yeah, well, I think that's wise. I think what put me off Ronald McDaniel was when she set up a, a gay 
a gay Republican club. Well, a, 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 a club for young gay gay Republicans. And that's, that's fine. But she trumpeted that like this is something that's going to rejuvenate the Republican Party. You know, when she did that, probably about 5 million conservative Christian Republicans says, is this really my party? Well, and she I, probably got about six. She probably got about six people supporting her, and she probably burned off about five million. So you know that doesn't show good judgment to me. Yeah, it was LGBTQ outreach, but and I will say this: that it, this it came out of a log cabin Republican, which is the LGBT uh, wing of the Republican Party event at Mar-a-Lago with President Trump, and it was a it was an outreach to the group. It wasn't you know exactly a club. The thing that I criticized her on immediately, I think that happened the night before, the morning of uh, my Saturday morning show. And uh, I criticized her because she didn't come to the RNC. She didn't ask any of us. There was no vote. There was no Zoom call. There was no email yeah. saying, hey, I'm thinking it was just boom. But I, I think she probably did it at the behest of President Trump. So um, that may not be the biggest, um, you know, arrow in her back. Uh, because of where it came from, I didn't like it very much, and and I certainly see value in outreach to LGBTQ Republicans who still believe in freedom, and uh, and want to vote for other conservative values. You know, where it is America. You don't have to be a Christian to be a Republican or to love freedom or to love the Constitution. Um, so the, the, the republic the Republican Party has always suffered, and it doesn't. Chase social conservatives. I didn't see any outreach to social conservatives from her. They are far bigger chunk of the Republican base than anything else. Yeah, we and really. That's, that's, we, that's what we've got to do. If we want to win, we got to reach social conservatives. If I had to defend Ronna McDaniel, one more thing I'd say positive about her is she was aghast when uh, Joe O'Day um, announced as a Republican U.S. Senate candidate his his pro-choice and you know up to fifteen weeks or whatever exceptions um, and so many other things like that that he said she did maintain um, the fact that the Republican Party is and and intends to stay the party defending the unborn in the womb and so yeah, well, she, go ahead well fair enough good for her on that <laughs> I can see that hey, it's point. it's the lawyer but, and it's the lawyer and me Trevor I've just yeah, tried yeah, to, devil's know, advocate yeah, I, think, I, I think you know it's, it's going to be Hamid Dillon or um, Mike Lindell and both would be good. All right. you know, both would be good, and you'll uh, you'll you'll you, you'll make you, you're doing the wise thing. You you'll make your judgment on the day. Very cool. Let's get to our final break of the hour. When we come back, I'm going to play about uh, 50 seconds from the World Economic Forum that I'd like you to count, comment on, and then we'll dive right into security risk senators, including the expose on our own Senator John Hickenlooper, Trevor Loudon's new book, and more with one of my favorite guests when we return here on 710 KNUS. I want to get right back to it so we don't run out of time with our great guest, Trevor Loudon, 645. I'm going to leave a little time at the end of this segment for some calls if we can, too, Trevor. And so uh, let me get you back on. I um, I mentioned that I wanted to play. Oh, before we before I do that, somebody texted me and said we we talked about the demise of the prime minister of New Zealand, the the Marxist uh, lockdown queen. And somebody texted and said Justin Trudeau is next. I've got a clip. I played it earlier from Klaus Schwab talking about how uh, Klaus Schwab talking about how they have young leaders from the World Economic 
forum in Justin Trudeau's cabinet. Do you think he is next? Well, I don't know. Well, Jacinda was a young leader. Yeah. It was one of Klaus Schwab's young leaders. Yeah. I would hope he would be next. He just won re-election. I don't, I don't know the situation in Canada as well as New Zealand, but look, um, you know, his dad was a Marxist and he's a socialist. Yeah, we, we don't need him. All right, let's play this real short clip from uh, the closing statement of the World Economic Forum. A new initiative, Gaia, giving to amplify Earth action, will leverage philanthropic capital to help generate the three trillion U.S. dollars needed each year from public and private sources to tackle climate change and nature losses. I know the accent was thick, but did you hear what he said? Yeah, they assume three trillion U.S. dollars to contribute to the World Economic Forum agenda. Yeah, well, that'll be easy to do, won't it? <laughs> it you will. Know, it will be with the zombie in chief these right people, now. These people are lunatics, you know. But World, World Economic Forum is basically just a front for China, so it's not surprising he'd say something like that. All right, let's jump into the book, Security Risk Senators. I've read every one of your books. I was at the the uh, world premiere of your documentary enemies within the church where'd we do that in iowa someplace wasn't it yeah in, in sioux in, city that's iowa. right yep. uh, barack obama and the enemies within is where i became acquainted with you that was made into a movie um on and on and on and when you told me about security risk senators i knew we had to get you on especially since we elected one of those senators in your book john hickenlooper yeah, well, well, guess which U.S. senator is the only one who's been to the World Economic Forum at least five years in a row? Guess, nope. guess which one I'm talking about. Got to be Big John. He was sanctioned. Uh, John John Hickenlooper, yeah. yeah. He had an ethics problem because he went on the taxpayer dime um, last time before his presidential run. But uh, mm. but I digress. So tell us more about our, our favorite. Well, 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 see, the thing is, you know, John Hickenlooper has got a business background and a scientific background, and he sort of sells himself as a bit of a moderate. But back in the day, back in the 80s, he was part of the nuclear freeze movement. And that was a communist movement designed to, to basically destroy the U.S. Uh, military's, you know, nuclear programs while the Soviet Union could build up theirs. It was a communist program directed by the Soviet Union. He was part of that. Now, since he's, uh, since he's been in power, he's opened up relationships, deep relationships between Colorado and China. He brought the Chinese Thousand Talents Program uh, into working with the University of Colorado, I believe, which is a, a big CCP military operation. He went to China in 2015 and forged a whole bunch of partnerships with, with key Chinese business interests. Then he, then he went to Cuba in 2017 for a visit, and the first person he talked to was a, a senior official of the Cuban Foreign Affairs Department, Josefina Vidal, one of the very top Cuban spies, one of the top intelligence officers in the country. And that was the first person that John Hickenlooper met. Since that time, he started up his, his biennial, you know, the sort of the festival he holds. Well, that has been used to bring a lot of Cuban influence into Colorado. Uh, Cuban performers uh, to, to build ties up to communist Cuba. But it's also been used 
to spread ESG into Latin America. Now, ESG is environmental, social, social and governance. This is what the World Economic Forum is all about. You know, these, these scores on companies, you know, you get a score if you're higher, you've got a lot of diverse hires, if you're LGBTQ friendly, if you're environmentally friendly, etc. It's pure Marxism, and he has been using his biennial and the, the apparatus he set up to spread those ideas into Latin American countries. And he's also um, been working with NIAC, the National Iranian Action uh, Council. National, no, National Iranian American Council. That is the chief lobby group in America for the mullahs. That's Iran's lobby group. They have given him money, they have endorsed him, he has been working with them. So he's got connections to the Cubans, to the Chinese and the Iranians, all and the World Economic Forum, all great friends of America and Colorado, right? Deep connections to all of those institutions all of those countries and institutions. And he but get, he's a moderate, but he's a moderate Democrat. And he gets himself elected by playing the guitar on his front porch, by taking a shower, you know, for his TV commercials, jumping out of airplanes. Uh, he just comes across as just such a nice guy, you know, trying to get things done. Those are yes, he, he he's got a, he's got a moderate image. He's, yeah. he's very similar to Mark Kelly from Arizona, who, who practically, you know, pretends to be a MAGA guy, but but Mark Kelly. You know, met his wife at a his wife, American wife, at a Chinese Communist Party convention back in two thousand two thousand and two. Okay. Went back, went back for the next three in a row. Then he built up a whole bunch of relationship with, with Chinese companies. He was touting Chinese vitamin products from outer space when he was an astronaut. Big, big deals with the. Um, you know, the People's Liberation Army, etc. And he's also got deep ties to NIAC, the National Iranian um, American Council, which is pushing the Iran nuclear deal. There was two senators endorsed by NIAC in 2020, and that was Hickenlooper and Kelly from Arizona. Wow, just terrifying. And, and Alexa was kind enough to correct me on our 710 KNUS text-to-studio app. It was the Bilderberg trip that got Hickenlooper into ethical trouble. Oh, so he's in the Bilderberg. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. okay. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit better. I uh, haven't asked you anything about this. I've talked about it a couple of times, the news breaking about the Department of Justice um, consensually searching Biden's house for 13 hours today. Somebody just texted about it. So I thought I'd get your quick take, then I want to grab a call, and we'll get a little more, another tidbit or two from your book. Yeah, look, look, look I think Biden's on his way up. They realize there's no, you know, he's been very stubborn. You know, the Obama and others have been to the White House saying, don't run again, Joe, don't do it, don't do it. And he's been stubborn. So now, they're going to have to take him out. And this is a very, you know, this is a very elegant way of doing it. Well, you've got all these documents, Joe. We can't trust you anymore. You've become a liability, Joe. You better stand down. Otherwise, you might be prosecuted. And I think, so this is what we're going to see. The only question will be is who replaces them and how that is handled. But I think Joe's days are numbered because the mainstream media is on this. If he was a popular Democrat, if he was a, a candidate they wanted to keep, 
that'd be that'd be wouldn't be touching this with a barge pole. I, I agree with you, and I also think that perhaps the Democrats and the media have seen the writing on the wall with the Republican House majority and the people that have been appointed to some of these investigatory bodies yeah. within the House. They're coming after high, uh, Hunter and the ties to China and all the illicit money, Ukraine, etc. Yeah. Let's try and squeeze yeah. in one call. Joan's been waiting forever to talk to our good buddy Trevor Loudon with a question. Joan, we've got to keep it fairly short. Welcome. I wanted to say, if listeners would search Harmeet Khamid's um, biography, you'd see that she committed, she contributed to Kamala Harris's political campaign, and she was selected to the board of directors of California's ACLU, a purely Marxist organization. It's become that while she's on it. So there's, you know, versus Mike Lindell, who's exposed the strongest um, evidence of Sequoia software that controls 92% of our county uh, elections in every state. So if you go to frankspeech.com and you go to um, this Hamid, uh, I mean, uh, Dylan's um, website, you'll say that Frank Speech uh, has done more to protect the uh, freedom of America and against the CCP infiltration of America. So her, her bio, I Jonah, think, Jonah, I just mentioned we've got to yeah. keep it short. You've made your points, though, and made them very well. Emphatic yeah. support for Mike Lindell and against... Um, Harmie Dillon, what do you? What's your response? Yeah, well, I didn't know that about the ACLU. I'll tell you that for real. Um, so I'll check that out, and I'll thank Joan for the information. Yeah, and another reason why I just didn't want to throw my hat into the voting ring until I get all the information. Well, there's no question with Mike Lindell, man. What you see is what you get. So we've yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, he's a patriot. And, there's no. There's no there's no question about that. For sure. The um, last couple of minutes that we have, your book, Security Risk Senators, it's actually two parts. The first volume covers, I got out of the website. Let me get back to it real quick. It covers um, Arizona to Massachusetts. Part two is Michigan to Virginia. Sounds like there are going to be some more volumes coming out. Um, anybody else in a minute or two that we have that you want to tease for folks? Well, uh, I think Kirsten Cinema's deep communist background needs to be known because she's trying to portray herself as a moderate and even a friend of Republicans. But she's been working with the Communist Party for 20 years now, very, very deeply. I think she's completely untrustworthy, and, and the book will explain why. But can I just give tell people where they can get the, get the book? Better believe really? it, yeah. Yeah, look, look. go to trevorloudon.com. You can get them on Amazon, but you really want to support me. And you get them signed if you go through me too. So trevorloudon.com, Loudon is L-O-U-D-O-N. There's two books. Each one's about 400 pages long. Each one has 15 currently serving senators. Communist backgrounds for John Ossoff, Raphael Warnock, uh, Jeff Merkley, uh, Chuck Schumer, Dick Durbin, all of the senators that you know, so 400 pages each, massively referenced, a lot of a lot of illustrations, and trevorloudon.com. You can get them autographed for yourself or your favorite liberal uncle. <laughs> and the price is right, 
And uh, yeah. listen, if you want to see how Trevor does his work, go to keywiki.org, keywiki.org. You can hit that link from trevorloudon.com, and you can see the massive amount of research, sourced research that Trevor has put together over a decade or more of doing this now. Trevor, I've got the music in the background. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you spending an entire hour with us here on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran. Look, I've got so many friends in Colorado, and I've always it's always great to talk to you, Randy. It's not a it's not an imposition. I enjoy it any, any time. Thank you, sir. Love to your wife. Have a wonderful Saturday evening and a great weekend. Take care. Thank you, sir. All Thanks right. Goodbye to Colorado. You betcha. Nobody better than this guy. And, uh, you know, an unsung hero who just continues to slug it out, say it the way he sees it, and back it up with data and information. Um, something you just don't hear so much from the other side, even the other side on our own uh, Republican or semi-sort of claim-to-be-conservative side of the political aisle. Anyway, we'll be back. Final hour next. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.